This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. My name is Deshaun Charles Winslow, and my second novel is called Decent People. A triple homicide in the fictional town of West Mills, North Carolina, sets the scene for Deshaun Charles Winslow's second novel, Decent People. If West Mills sounds familiar, it's because Winslow's first novel, In West Mills, was listed for and won numerous literary prizes in 2019. Although his new release uses the same setting, it's a completely new story that doesn't require having read In West Mills. It just includes some of the same people and he didn't want to make them move. I recently spoke with Deshaun Charles Winslow about the fictional town, some of the surprises he found when writing the mystery, and how readers might recognize some instances of racism and homophobia that still occur today. I'm Beth Golay. From KMUW Studios and part of the NPR Podcast Network, this is Marginalia. Could you give our listeners a brief description of the book? Sure. The year is 1976 in the fictional town of West Mills, North Carolina. There has been a triple murder. A doctor and her two siblings have been found shot to death in their home. And they are not well liked. So it could have been anyone who could have done it. But they have a reputation for having a lifelong feud with their half-brother, Olympus, and he is the town's number one suspect. The authorities don't care who killed the Harmons at all, but it is his reputation that is at stake in this small town. His fiance, who has just moved back to North Carolina from New York, doesn't like that he's being accused and she's out to exonerate him. And as she begins to conduct her own investigation, she begins to realize that there are a lot of dark secrets in town. And she begins to wonder if there's a chance that he might be the uh, correct suspect. (laughs) So your first novel in West Mills is set in the same fictional town of West Mills. Mm -hmm. It's West Mills, North Carolina, where decent people takes place. And I feel like West Mills is almost a character itself. So talk to me about this fictional town and why did you continue to write about the town? So it's based off of the real town of South Mills, North Carolina. I changed the name because I didn't want to get caught up in, you know, historical accuracy and having to name the streets, you know, correctly or realistically. So I just changed the name. But it is a small, even today, it is a small town. It is still a segregated town, but not in a 1960s way but it is still small. Everyone knows almost everyone. And I thought I would use it because it's so close-knit and because while people may not communicate with each other regularly, they know and they recognize who's from around there and who is not. And it just keeps things contained versus a big city like New York or Chicago or, you know. Um, But the reason why I decided to use it again is because I first decided to use a particular family from in West Mills. And so I decided, well, I'm not going to move them to another location. (laughs) So I'm just going to use the same setting again. So that's that's the, you know, that's the main reason for reusing the setting. 
You know, as you mentioned, this book is is kind of a whodunit. Right away, we understand that it's a murder mystery, but it's almost, it feels more like a, a character study than a plot-driven book. I don't feel like this is, you know, incredibly common among murder mystery books. So were you inspired by any other writers? I read a couple of mysteries. Well, I read one mystery and I watched a lot of mystery whodunit TV during the early part of the pandemic. But I also grew up watching Murder, She Wrote with my parents. Murder, She Wrote, Madlock, In the Heat of the Night, Father Dowling Mysteries. And so those have all stuck with me. So while I did read Anthony Horowitz's book, The Magpie Murders, most of what went into the novel really came from years of watching mystery TV and detective shows. But now I find myself wanting to actually read more mystery. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about perspective because decent people shifts perspectives between, you know, first we see the story through Joe's eyes and then Eunice and then Savannah and Ted. So why these characters? Why these four lenses? Yeah, I wanted to get a few different types of people. So with Joe, I wanted a middle aged black woman for us to be in her perspective educated, lived in the North, returned to the South. I wanted one white woman, you know, at least one white woman to see the perspective from her vantage point, especially a white woman having married a black man and having biracial children in her 30s, you know. And I wanted a black female character also in her 30s with a teenager. I just wanted four different types of people. And then, of course, there's Ted, who is a white male and in this community, yeah, he is revered as the pinnacle of success, so to speak. So I wanted these four different these four different types of vantage points. You know, I want to take that question a bit further, and, and maybe this is more about craft and plotting your, your story. So how did you know who did what when? And by shifting perspectives to see characters through other lenses, did any of your characters surprise you as you wrote from their perspective? Yes, I was surprised by a choice I made with Savannah. I had never really intended to make her like she becomes a little bit of a backstabber towards, you know, almost the end. And that I had not planned, but I realized that she hadn't done anything really wrong to anyone else. She was mistreating herself, you know, but she hadn't really mistreated any other characters. And so I was like, oh, I have to have her do something bad to an actual other character. (laughs) So that was, you know, that was the element of surprise. Was there a second part to that question? Just how did you know who knew what when? My next question is like, did you know who did it when you started writing or was it more of a matter of discovery for you? It was a matter of discovery. I kept changing my mind about who the murderer (laughs) would be. So I think it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of coming up. And this is to your question overall about all of them. I would have an idea in my mind and I would start writing it. And I'd say, no, that's not a strong enough motive. They didn't do it. So that changes this, you know. So it was hard. I think I'll answer your question by saying it was hard. And there was a lot of moving information around. And oops, I think I told that too early. Oh, I think I told that too late, (laughs) you know. 
And that's where my editor was really good with pacing and the timing of when things should, you know, be revealed to the reader. Yeah, it was hard. It was a puzzle. It was algebra or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this book was set in the 1970s. You said 1976. And so it's not ancient history, but it's historical enough that you couldn't include any modern conveniences in your storytelling. Was that difficult to achieve in your writing to relocate yourself and perhaps your your psyche into a different time? Because this took place before you were born. Right. Yeah. (laughs) No, it was not hard to choose the time period because I don't enjoy writing about contemporary times. I have a little bit of obsession with history, you know, and I enjoy writing pieces about time periods that I was not yet born. I really, really enjoy it. And I love that there are no cell phones and that people either have to get on the phone and talk and they can't text or They have to go to the place or go to see the person. You know, it creates a lot of room for tension and drama. But yeah, I didn't find it hard at all to write in this time period. I enjoy it. (laughs) I want to ask you about location because you you mentioned this just a, a minute ago with one of the characters. But the book was set primarily in North Carolina. But it seemed that there was a two-way street between North Carolina and New York City for many of your characters. Can you talk to me about that? Sure. I think that has a lot to do with my family, especially the maternal side of my family. A lot of my relatives moved to the North. My grandparents, for example, lived in New York for many years. My mom was raised in the South, though, by her grandmother. But it was a lot of back and forth North and South aunts, uncles, just about all of them at some point lived in the North, either New York or D.C. And then I did the same thing um, in my early 20s. So I think that's the reason why I do this North-South thing. And I also picked up, growing up, I picked up different attitudes that different family members had, those who moved away. And when they come home for, you know, a weekend or a holiday, the things that they would say about North Carolina, you know, sometimes derogatory and, you know, just the way we think differently when we moved to a big city, when we were raised in a small one, you know, I find myself fascinated by how our mindsets change. And I think that's why I always have a character or two who have lived in both places. So you touch on some serious issues in the novel as if you know, a triple murder isn't serious enough. But, you know, homophobia and the idea that it could be treated or beaten out of someone, racism receives some necessary focus, mixed race relationships, police misconduct regarding race. I'm quoting from parts of the book. The police wrote whatever they wanted on those reports. Suicide, hit and run, overdoses from shooting up, you name it, anything to get it over with, anything to get a case closed and filed away. They didn't care. Just another black man, black woman, black boy, black girl. What do you want the reader to know about these issues of of racism and homophobia? Yeah. Well, where the homophobia piece comes in is that, I mean, I think things have changed now a lot. I think today's young queer people are receiving a lot more uh, grace and tolerance than people my age and definitely people older than me 
And so I just wanted to shine a little bit of a light on how hard it was and in some places probably still is. Sometimes I think people forget, you know. So with the racism, I wanted to show that things have gotten better, but they still have a long way to go, you know. There are cases all the time of people being murdered. And if it's black on black crime, the police departments may spend one week investigating and then it, you know, it recedes into the oblivion, you know, the case. And I think there's there's a lot of families who are left without answers because the authorities just won't seek it out. It happens now and it happened a lot in the 50s and 60s and even 70s. So I think I wanted to point out that it's still happening. I want readers to read these scenes like you just described or these passages and then be able to say, oh, wow, but I just read something last month like this, you know. Do you have a hope for readers of the book? Yes, I hope that readers will find more compassion for queer teenagers, especially. That's probably the biggest hope for the book. And the second hope is for readers to close the book having a sense of, I don't want people to feel overwhelming guilt, but I want people to say these sort of interactions happen around me all the time and I ignore them and I want to do the best that I can not to perpetuate them, whether it's homophobia, racism, or classism. You know, I want people to recognize if they are implicit at all and hopefully not continue whatever the offense is. I think another thing I would like for readers to think about is how Black men are treated in this country. Um, We often don't receive the benefit of the doubt that other people are awarded. And that is something that I want readers to think about. Decent People is your second novel. Your first is in West Mills, as we mentioned, and it has a pretty impressive track record. It was a Center for Fiction first novel prize winner and was a finalist for the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, the Lambda Literary Award, and the Publishing Triangle Awards. So talk to me about your experience with your sophomore novel. Did you feel more pressure or was it easier this time around? The writing part was hard, (laughs) but I did not feel a lot of pressure. And I think I said this in another interview recently, and I think the reason why I didn't feel pressure is because my fantasy reader does not know what the awards are. They probably don't read book reviews. They just read the book, enjoy it or don't, you know, and send me an email via my website. You know, they're not deep diving to see what other people thought of it. And I think if I continue to write with my fantasy ideal reader in mind, it removes some of the pressure of how the book might be received by the world, you know. So any pressure that I have, it's on myself to write a really good book, not to appeal to the powers that be, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned that the second novel, it included a family that was was in your first novel in West Mills, and Mm -hmm. you stuck with the location because you didn't want to have to move them. 
Is there anybody still sticking around? You, what's the third novel? Is it is it going to be a continuation of people who we've met, or is it going to be something new? I think for the third novel, I think we'll get a whole new cast of people, and I think it will be set in a real-life town, probably my hometown of Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I do think that characters will feel like characters readers have already met, you know, but I think I'm going to switch towns and switch people. But I may return to the town of West Mills and pick up some other character down and, you know, in their future life down the road. The book is Decent People. Deshaun Charles Winslow, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That was Deshaun Charles Winslow, author of the book Decent People, which was published by Bloomsbury. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita and is part of the NPR Podcast Network. Our engineers are Mark Stadzer and Torin Anderson. Our editors are Luann Stevens and Haley Krausen. Our producer is Haley Krausen. And our marketing assistant is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay. <laughs>